Hi everybody, welcome to this episode of the Heart Podcast. It's James Rudd here, the digital media editor at Heart. Today I'm delighted to be chatting to Dr. Sam Chu and Dr. Chris Wong, both from the University of Adelaide. Uh, they have written a very nice original research paper in Heart, which is all about atrial fibrillation and the association with various different diets and whether those diets have an effect on how likely you are to get AF. It was a great pleasure to chat to them about the paper. I will make it open access for a few weeks after the podcast comes out. Please continue to subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. It really does help uh, to find new listeners for our podcast. Thanks so much for your support, and I hope you enjoy the podcast. Hi, guys. Thanks so much for joining me for this episode of the podcast. I was really interested to read a paper that you've recently written about atrial fibrillation incidence and the association of various different dietary factors with that. Maybe we can start off by having you guys introduce yourself for the heart audience. Um, who are you? Where do you work? And what do you do there? Should we start off with you, Chris? Yeah, thanks very much. It's a pleasure to be here today. I appreciate the invitation. Um, so my name is Christopher Wong. At the time that this paper was published, I was based at the University of California, San Francisco. But recently, I've returned to my hometown of Adelaide in Australia, where I am the professor of cardiology at the University of Adelaide and a cardiac electrophysiologist physiologist at the Royal Adelaide Hospital and the Queen Elizabeth Hospital. And Samuel, could you go ahead and tell the heart audience who you are, where you work, and what do you do? I'm Samuel Tu. I'm a PhD candidate um, at the Centre for Heart Rhythm Disorders here at the University of Adelaide. I'm also a physician in training based at Flinders Medical Centre in South Australia here. Fantastic. And as I say, the, the paper is all about the association of dietary patterns, uh, ultra-processed food and nutrition intake with incident AF. Um, maybe you can give us, Chris, some background to the work, please. What, what prompted you to explore uh, this particular area? Sure. Um, here in Adelaide, um, we have an active um, group interested in atrial fibrillation, um, led for many years by Professor Prash Sanders. And in particular, we've been interested in the role of cardiometabolic and lifestyle factors in the development and maintenance of atrial fibrillation. And in particular, we've had a long-standing interest in the role of obesity um, and have shown in some papers that obesity is not only a strong risk factor for atrial fibrillation, incidence and recurrence, but that treating obesity with um, dietary and lifestyle factors can significantly improve um, atrial fibrillation recurrence. Simultaneously, in recent years, uh, in work led by Sam, Tu and myself, we've been interested in other dietary components, particularly alcohol. We published a few papers looking at alcohol and arrhythmias, and it seemed a natural extension to look at other dietary factors, particularly because individuals do not consume individual dietary factors in isolation. Often they consume various dietary patterns. And indeed, in the literature, there are a variety of diets that are advocated, including some of the diets that we've assessed in our paper today, including the Mediterranean diet and the DASH diet. But uh, that being said, uh, although these diets have been assessed in other cardiovascular diseases and other disease states, to date, we were unable to find many studies that have studied these in regards to arrhythmias. And so what was the overall aim of the study? So we sought to uh, look at the potential associations of um, a variety of different diets. So I mentioned the Mediterranean diet and the TASH diet. We also looked at plant-based diets and sought to see whether these diets had any association with incident atrial And we also looked at uh, whether various nutrient um, uh, compositions of diet and whether 
high caloric ultra processed foods may be also associated with incident age fibrillation. And did you have a hypothesis going into the study? Yeah, I think going into the study, we did hypothesize that perhaps some of these diets which are advocated as being healthier in nature with regards to cardiovascular outcomes, the Mediterranean diet, the DASH diet, plant-based diets, we did hypothesize that these may be associated with a lower incident of nuanced atrial fibrillation. And similarly speaking, we hypothesized that perhaps consuming large amounts of ultra-processed foods may be associated with a high incidence of nuanced atrial fibrillation. And maybe I can turn to you, uh, Sam, if, I don't know if you want to take this question, but um, what population did you study and how many participants were included and what was the average length of follow-up in your patient group? So the study included 121,000 participants from the UK Biobank study, and we followed them up for a median time of about nine years. As many of your listeners would be aware, the UK Biobank studies a large-scale population-based study that, that's been following over half a million volunteers um, aged between 40 and 70 across the United Kingdom. And they they began enrolment in, in 2006 and uh, that occurred over about a four-year period. And their plan is to follow up participants for 30 years. Initially, uh, the participants were invited to an assessment centre in person where they completed some questionnaires regarding sociodemographic details, dietary intake and medical history. And they had some blood samples taken then as well. Since enrolment, the participants have been followed up and invited to complete a number of online questionnaires, including um, the diet questionnaires that we used for our study. Uh, they've also been followed up um, with their health records tracked and linked to their individual UK Biobank profiles. We particularly wanted to look at the um, the dietary assessments in the UK Biobank. And the questionnaires that we used were um, these online-based 24-hour diet recall questionnaires, which uh, were given at five separate occasions uh, during the initial phases of follow-up. Um, the questionnaires had 238 common food and beverage items, and the participants were asked how much of these items they consumed in the last 24 hours. So the average question would be something like, how many rashes of bacon did you consume yesterday? And they were given the options of zero, half, one, two, three, or more. Um, and in our analysis, we limited, um, including participants who had only completed at least two of these dietary questionnaires, uh, to allow us to average the available data, to allow for seasonal and day-to-day and -day variation in food intake. As you can imagine, what you ate yesterday might not be as representative um, of you know your diet as a whole, but having a wealth of questionnaire data um, definitely helps with better representing your average uh, dietary intake. Perfect. And just uh, I know you, we've touched on it briefly, but just so we can nail it down for the listeners, particularly people who aren't uh, so into the researching uh, dietary patterns and food types, what what kind of patterns were you looking for, and what food types were examined as exposure variables? Yeah, the the two main sets of exposures that we looked at were firstly the uh, adherence to a typical heart healthy diet so mediterranean or dash type diet and the second exposure that we wanted to have a look at was um, ultra processed food intake um, with okay. regards to the first um, the dash and mediterranean diets um, you know, promote consumption of fresh fruits vegetables unsaturated fats by way of uh, nuts and fish and 
try and encourage the minimization of red and processed meat intake. Um, and in terms of ultra-processed foods, um, the food that we consume undergoes varying different degrees of processing. And we use the NOVA food classification to, um, to define what constituted ultra-processed foods in our study. So um, unprocessed foods are those that are, uh, that are fresh um, or have undergone minimal processing. They're whole foods in their natural state. Um, processed foods are those such as preserved fruit or vegetables or fresh bread, um, foods that only have a few ingredients with um, in them and are produced with methods and ingredients that you or I could make in the home kitchen. Ultra-processed foods, on the other hand, undergo a multitude of processes that couldn't be recreated in the home kitchen and have little intact fresh foods. They contain uh, non-sugar sweeteners, emulsifiers, artificial flavors, items that you wouldn't use in home cooking. And so examples of which would be like fast foods, ready to heat meals or supermarket broad breads. I, like, I really like that description, things that you couldn't recreate in your home kitchen. Uh, okay, now that's a really good way of, uh, of thinking about it. Um, and as you've already mentioned, you ascertained um, what participants were eating using um, recall questionnaires, is that right, which were taken just at the start of the project? So did, did the patients have any kind of repeated questionnaires throughout the study or was it just once at the enrollment stage? They were towards the start of the study. So one of the questionnaires was given around the time of en enrollment in 2009-2010 uh, and the uh, second to fifth questionnaires were given early on, so the, uh, around 2012. Okay, so there was no measure of whether people sort of changed their diet as they got older throughout the study. Okay, so it was all established effectively at baseline. And Correct. I know you've mentioned it briefly, but roughly how many patients did you end up with in your study cohort? Uh, 121,000. Okay. And how many of those developed um, atrial fibrillation? Uh, I've got it here, actually. 4,579. Okay. 4,500 events. 4,500. Perfect. Um, and so that was the outcome measure, right? Or maybe you can tell us in, in more detail how you define the outcome measure of the study. Correct. So uh, the outcome that we studied was a new diagnosis of atrial fibrillation, whether that be a hospitalization for atrial fibrillation um, as either the main reason for hospitalization or some sort of complication of that hospitalization, um, or an AF ablation procedure noted in the procedure records. We excluded participants who had a previous diagnosis of atrial fibrillation, either self-reported or otherwise, so we could study nuanced AF in our, um, our follow-up. Perfect. And what kind of uh, statistical approaches did you use in the study? So to study the association between the dietary outcomes and new diagnosis of atrial fibrillation, we um, analyzed the data in survival models. And mm -hmm. so the exposure was either adherence to a Mediterranean or DASH diet or the proportion by mass of ultra-processed food intake for ultra-processed foods. And in sequential models, we adjusted for import, important lifestyle risk factors. And then we also adjusted for important comorbidities in our final models. And we adjusted all of our analyses for total energy intake as well. So we could examine the association of dietary pattern independent of caloric intake. Got you. Okay. And um, what were the main results uh, before and after adjustments? Because there were some changes, weren't there, after adjustment? But what were the headline results before you adjusted everything? Yeah, as expected in our model where we adjusted only for demographic data, um, increasing Mediterranean and DASH diet 
adherence was associated with a lower risk of atrial fibrillation, the magnitude of risk reduction being about 13 to 22% reduction of hazard, comparing the bottom quintile to the top quintile of um, adherence. However, when we accounted for other lifestyle factors and comorbidities, we found essentially no association of adherence to a Mediterranean or DASH diet with incident atrial fibrillation. And we also found that accounting for BMI, adjusting for BMI analyses resulted in the majority of that attenuation. When we looked at ultra-processed food intake, we did find a deleterious association uh, even in our full models adjusting for BMI, other lifestyle factors and comorbidities, um, such that the, the highest quintile of intake was associated with a 13% increase in the risk of AF compared to the lowest quintile. And roughly for every 10% increase by mass in ultra-processed food consumed, we saw about a 5% increase in the risk of incident atrial fibrillation. And do you want to add anything to that, Chris? Anything in the results? surprised you or uh, was was unexpected or was it kind of in line what you you thought that BMI was kind of driving many of the associations here? Yeah, it's a good question. I don't think we necessarily went into these analyses um, assuming that BMI would be a driver, um, but it did seem like that was um, suggested from our results that indeed um, any potential association of uh, benefit between Mediterranean DASH diets with reduction AF risk may be associated with BMI. I think that leads in nicely to, you know, the limitations of the study, which I think, you know, any study should be interpreted in the context of. And I think, you know, one of the main limitations is that we did not have repeated measurements for various, um, you know, both the exposure in terms of dietary assessment and other variables like BMI. It would have been extremely ideal, I suppose, to have, um, you know, dietary uh, measurements made at multiple time points and subsequently BMI measurements made it at later time points to show that indeed there was a temporal relationship between diet, BMI, and then later atrial fibrillation. Unfortunately, that wasn't available in this data set, but perhaps maybe something that could be undertaken in future data sets. Were there any other limitations um, of the of the study that you'd like to, to point out to listeners and readers of the paper? Yes, I think there are many others. Obviously, this is an observational analysis and uh, like any other a non-randomized study, uh, we can't exclude the possibility of residual confounding. And I think, um, you know, this does uh, suggest that dietary factors and any effect on obesity and BMI may be important, but, you know, these studies should be, these findings should be replicated in other studies. And ideally, despite its difficulty, lead to development of future randomized trial, which assess, uh, you know, the, uh, the implementation of various dietary styles on the impact of end cardiovascular outcomes and atrial fibrillation. I think I already talked about, uh, you know, the fact that we did not unfortunately have multiple assessments of dietary factors and other variables. Uh, and again, this is something that can hopefully be addressed in future studies. And what would you conclude, um, either of you, what are the sort of main takeaway messages um, for the audience um, based on your work? Yes, I can speak first and maybe Sam can chip in, but um, I think um, our data does suggest that um, potentially diets such as Mediterranean diets and DASH diets may be helpful in reducing atrial fibrillation, but potentially any benefits may be mediated by effects on obesity and body mass index. And so perhaps a Mediterranean diet and a DASH diet may be helpful in, um, in ensuring a healthy weight, but other factors that address weight may be important as well, like lifestyle factors like exercise, potentially even pharmacological 
adjuncts that are attracting increasing interest in recent times. And what about the ultra-processed food story? How do you uh, conclude? What's your view on that now? Absolutely. I think um, the ultra-processed food finding is is an interesting finding and perhaps uh, suggests that there is a signal that these uh, highly processed foods, which may be energy dense, may be particularly impactful in terms of um, um, increasing the risk of atrial fibrillation. And again, this is a finding that should be uh, restudied in future research. Have I read it right? But based on your study, the ultra processed food intake was not as highly associated with BMI, or again, is that still all mediated through the, the BMI change? And actually, no, it does remain significant, doesn't it? Okay. After adjustments. Okay. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. So in contrast to the association of the dietary patterns with AF, which was attenuated after including BMI and other lifestyle factors in the model, ultra-processed foods did appear to remain significant. Yeah. Perfect. Um, And what's uh, what's planned next for you guys in this area? Are you um, planning future studies uh, in AF and, and lifestyle and other interesting areas? Yes, we have ongoing um, studies looking at um, how best to address obesity in terms of atrial fibrillation and how we can manage this better in our patients, which um, which are increasingly burdensome with atrial fibrillation. Um, I'm currently doing some other work on uh, coffee and caffeine with uh, Greg Marcus at the University of California, San Francisco. Um, and as I mentioned, I think some of the findings that we did um, um, study and, and, and discover in, in this study here uh, should be replicated and so we're looking for other data sets that potentially these could be studied in as well yeah absolutely and i wonder whether the the deluge of anti-obesity drugs glp1 are going to impact atrial fibrillation it'd be interesting to see some of that data i'm not sure if you're aware of any data coming out yet from those large studies but i suspect uh, by mediation of reduction of bmi they may also impact on this field It'd be interesting to find out Absolutely. We're, um, we're hoping to do some of our studies ourselves, but obviously these trucks are in hot demand. Um, <laughs> there was a recent uh, pilot study presented at AHA recently, but uh, again, looking forward to the larger studies to come out soon. Brilliant. Uh, I just want to thank you both for joining me today on the podcast and staying up late in Adelaide. That's very kind of you to accommodate the time zone issues. It is truly a global podcast, so I do appreciate that. Um, and uh, yeah, good luck with the rest of your PhD, Sam. It was fascinating to read this uh, this paper. And thanks so much, Chris, also for making time to to join us today. Thanks, James. Great to be here. Thanks for the invitation. Mm-hmm.